What's going on, y'all? It's Key Mark Kane coming to you all the way live. Your favorite country cousin, your favorite Mississippi, and your best friend. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Ashley F.G. Norwood. It ain't me without the F.G. Come on. And we are the, the Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Thank y'all for rocking with us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, The Family Tree Podcast, and on Twitter, The Family Tree. Yes, indeed. Stay rooted, stay black, stay blessed. Peace. Hey, man, say, man, we back at it again. It's Key Kane coming to you all the way live, your favorite country cousin, your favorite Mississippian, and your best friend, joined by the beautiful and beautifully talented. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's Ashley FG. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The, the Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Look, y'all seen her before, <laughs> had to bring her right back. Right Conversation back. was too spicy. Too I spicy. had to get a glass of milk. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Dr. Cruz, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. look, Cruz. we went from talking about the family structure, but today we're going to talk about something that, uh, that not too many people want to talk too much about because not too many people agree, all right? And that is discipline. But before, you know, for those who may have missed the last episode, for one, you need to go back, but I'm going to have Ashley say some beautiful things about Dr. Cruz and then we'll get things cracking. Why not? So just a really quick brief um, introduction to Dr. Cruz. Now, we met back in February mm-hmm. at Bellhaven University, which is where she works. Um, Dr. Cruz is a professor and department chair of the Social Work and Criminal Justice Department at Bellhaven. She's been there for about four years. She's a licensed a social worker, excuse me, licensed clinical social worker. She has her own practice here in Flowood, um, where she works with individuals, couples, families as well. And she focuses a lot on that trauma, a lot of what we've been talking about in this series. Now, I want to allow you to speak more about your practice as well and your passions. Um, But, Dr. Cruz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing me back again. Uh, (laughs) The topics are, you're right, these are topics that are not being talked about. And just tabletop conversations. So, my my private practice is in Flowood. It's the River Wellness over on Catherine Drive. So I see individuals, uh, couples, families, um, really talking about trauma and unpacking that, giving people, holding space with them um, to, to, you know, kind of work through some life problems. And family of origin counseling, which unpacks everything, uh, even across generations. So that's um, really good. We try to, you know, give them a service so that they can work with somebody they know, like, and trust. And so that's what we're doing. One thing I like and respect about Bill Haven, um, it's no secret that, well, God, Jesus, Christianity, is no secret at Bill Haven. You know, (laughs) so you all are able to, you know, talk about different issues or the the solutions to different issues still in reference to that. And we know, like, even when it comes to a lot of motivational speeches and books, a lot of that a lot of those principles come from the Bible. We sure. know that, right? So one thing that comes to mind when we talk about discipline, the scripture. Mm. Spare, Spare the, the rods for the, the child. child. Okay. So that wasn't planned, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. So um, I want to start there. Um, what's your interpretation of that scripture? And what are your beliefs in terms of discipline? And the upbringing of our children and our family. Spicy. 
Right. So um, as far as the scripture goes, I believe uh, my interpretation and my, you know, putting that through my, my lens as far as my values, um, I, I don't believe that it's saying don't discipline your child um, or, you know, your child, don't give them structure with rigor, sustain it with rigor and, you know, or they will be spoiled. I don't believe, I'm saying, I believe it's saying, love your children, do give them structure, and be firm. Um, so I, I get the, the spare to rob part, because that seems more like it's going to be a, a physical, um, a physical uh, activity or physical event with the child. Um, so we'll, I, I realize that we'll talk about spanking later. Um, spanking is not off limits, even with that scripture. Um, but we're... we're with Jesus, we're really talking about loving them and loving them well, giving them structure, giving them boundaries, um, and also allowing for the flexibility of life um, so that uh, children can have, they can be taught the right way, but they will know what obedience looks like. And you can sustain that with rigor as well. So that's, that's what I believe um, is happening um, with that's what my interpretation of the scripture is, and for me and my family, um, but discipline itself. Uh, I'm just can I go with the social scientist perspective? Go. So um, at this point, I'm, I'm um, uh, over the last twenty to thirty years, we have done a ton of research. Um, at least researchers have to include the um, the Academy of Pediatrics, who has like sixty seven thousand pediatricians in it. Um, they have done research over the years in, um, in that particular organization is saying, um, you know, no spanking, mm. especially not. And there are some pros and cons. So they're not saying they're saying um, do this. You, you can spank a child. There are some pros like you with love and make sure that it's the right time, right place measured. Um, I'm sorry, Dr. Cruz. I don't know why I just chuckled at the idea of spanking. I think because I started to think about when parents would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you to spank you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's related in any way or or really what what mom and dad meant when they said that, but it's like, you know, to discipline, understanding, you know, the the purpose and the goal with it, but it hurt the parent more than it it hurts me. So it hurts mom and dad more emotionally than it hurts me physically. I don't know. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that just that just really brought about that that phrase that we hear a lot. Mm-hmm. I believe that um, I've heard that too. Um, it hurts me more than it hurts you. It seems like the parent is talking about something emotional, mm-hmm. and they're using they, th- this um, they're taking using this method to take care of it. And if it hurts you emotionally, it shouldn't be a spanking with it. We should do something else. Mm-hmm. That's at least my thought. Um, but they're saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, disapp- I'm so disappointed in you, you're, you know, by what you did that I'm going to have to spank you and shock you and let you understand that, you know, that it hurt me that much. But um, there, there's, a, there's a disconnect with emotions and this action of actually, like, striking a child. That is a disconnect. And so in, even in a therapy room, I'm, I'm constantly looking out for that because sometimes I do ask parents, um, do you spank your child, um, especially if we're in a setting of talking about anger, we're talking about um, intense emotions, 
you know, when are these when are these spankings taking place? Because if the emotion is that intense, how do we know what is going to be um, transferred over to the child? And if you can't measure it, then we we actually don't know what's happening. And some of the conda, all the other side, the downside of spanking in general is what we know what some of the long term outcomes are. Mm-hmm. So, so um, and long term, um, and even research shows this, and um, you know, it, it's not. A, a, a badge or a pat on my back or anything, but I do see a lot of adults who were um, purportedly spanked as children, but when they describe the spanking and the emotion hits them at 100%, like mm-hmm. they're getting spanked right now, they may not have just been a spanking. And it's consistent, and it, and it happens over and over and over again to the point where the initial reason why they were getting spanked may have occurred years earlier and it's years later and they were still getting beat and then it escalated and continued to escalate. And these were, um, as the descriptions are given to me, um, I don't believe that they're exaggerated, but I believe that at the point at which a child can be communicated with, um, something might be different in that, in that space of trying to actually discipline and do a spanking. Um, but then there's culture. Get, go pick your switch kind of thing. Um, and then, and then um, adults actually saying, um, I, I got beat mercilessly. I have bruises. I was bleeding. I was all of these things. And I'm okay. I, I turned out fine. So they think. So they think. And and sometimes it's not fine, and we're yeah. finding this out twenty or thirty years later, Ooh. sir. And you know, yeah. beyond the household, like I remember being in school, and there was corporal punishment, right? You know, if a kid is acting out, they're gonna lay you across their lap, pull them pants down. You know, so I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Like beyond the That's home, good. even in a school That's system, oh, we yeah. were doing this. And some people want to bring it back. Well, there still is. Um, I mean, there is still corporal punishment in schools. With, with re- I mean, they have their rules. It's not abuse. Okay. Um, and there is some, some way that they determine a reasonable circumstance that, that this should occur. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a Mississippi Code, um, yeah, 37-1157, that talks about corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and people want to... Um, bring it back and, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I just can't see that because I don't under, I mean, I don't see um, how that, um, how you can take care of a circumstance by striking a child by somebody that's not the parent. Teachers are authoritarian, so, I mean, they are in authoritative positions. Um, But how else, you know, you know, my thought is how else can we take care of this? Um, you know, I had somebody talk to me just about two weeks ago about the fact that they're in their early 20s that, you know, they were getting, they had corporal punishment um, situations at school and they got beat twice, once at school and once at home. Mm. You know, because if I have to come pick you up early from school, you're going (laughs) to get it. So I'm thinking, you know, let's work through that. (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah, for sure. Got the paddle and then got home and got the belt. 1,000%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're talking about it. Um, and, you know, for that individual, it didn't, it didn't go well because it, it um, had to, um, it, tra- it, it started happening so early in life mm-hmm. that um, they, grew, they grew up, age chronologically, no problems there, but um, the idea of feeling worthless mm. and having to be beaten to, to get some sort of understanding mm. or beating as communication, um, the, the messages never align for them. That is so, so good. Because what yeah. I was going to actually ask was, <clears throat> like, if is it instilling fear in the kid? Like, hey, if I do this, then I'm going to end up getting physically hurt versus anything mm-hmm. else from my yeah. parent and, yeah. you and know. Don't yeah. care and right. we'll Some kids right. don't care, yeah. Right. And we got to talk about that too. Mm-hmm. How does a kid get to the point where they don't care? If they getting corporate punishment, if they getting their head tall to frame at home, it's like, look, like, do we talk more about their self-esteem and, how, like you said, worthless mm-hmm. just now? But, like, what more goes into that? Because some kids really don't care. So um, there is a couple of things. One is, so there's corporal punishment, or dis, let's just say anything in a disciplinary realm. Um, so it's supposed to be purpose, having a purpose and an intent. Um, but if we're not, if, if we as adults or whoever's meeting out this punishment is not watching for improvement or making sure that whatever the punishment is, you know, is a consequence for this said action, if nobody's keeping check on that, it just keeps going and going. And, you know, just in a normal frame of psychosocial development, kids just do what they do. I mean, we don't know all of the other social issues that go into that circumstance um, because it might have, you know, crossed the line to be to being abusive. And if it is abuse, it could potentially be trauma, as we talked about before, and if a child is processing trauma, they do act like nothing matters. Um, they're still just trying to survive. Um, you know, they're, they, they move into this survival space where they're, um, they do what other people do when they're traumatized. They just get numb. Um, and then on the other side, there might be some true um, diagnosable situations like um, – you know, intermittent explosive behavior where people just kind of look like they just act out or yeah. they disregard authority figures or they don't follow rules and laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there could be any mix of it, but that, that little, that space of discipline, if we could just um, manage that part. Um, some of the other things we may not even be able to control, mm-hmm. but, but if we have that thing, you know, that we can actually control as adults. Mm-hmm. We should do that. Um, little kids get kind of get, get popped or spanked mm-hmm. sometimes, but um, as a child gets older, um, at what point, you know, mm-hmm. we, t- we, we teach and talk about uh, when is it okay to start communicating with your child as opposed to just striking. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm looking for particularly is 
making sure the adult is managed in their emotions because you don't want your emotions to be transferred. And pro- you said the word project- projected. Because we be projecting. We as people, right? Yes. You know, and like you say, it's so important to, to, to check in emotionally like that mm-hmm. parent because parents aren't perfect either, right? Stress. They're still a person. Yeah. And they, they have, uh, you know, parents have an incredible amount of stress yeah. to deal with and we just, you know, um, we, well, we don't take it for granted as providers. Um, we want to, you know, to try to work through that space with them. But we don't even know the half of what they have to deal with yeah. just to get through day to day. And then, you know, how they manage their stress. So on the parenting side. Ooh. I have a question. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Understanding that a parent goes through so much within a day, right? How important is it for a child to teach a child to be considerate enough to, hey, be a kid, but be mindful like daddy or mommy, you know, whatever the case may be, so that I don't have to act out in such a, like, is it a way to, I guess, co-manage behavior? Am I, is that that makes sense? Are you talking about between a parent and the child? Yes. So so a child understands where they know not to do certain things because they don't want the parent to come out of the, the stresses that they have on their own to discipline them. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clarifying as I'm thinking through this with mm. you because what, what I believe... Um, I want, I want to say to you in response mm-hmm. is, um, unfortunately, number one, if depending on the age of the child, they can't take the parent responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the parent will have to work through that. But the other part is, um, this will work, consistency. Mm-hmm. Consistency and in, in, in rigor and sustaining how we deal with these circumstances. Mm-hmm. So what I find to be most troubling is um, bound, little to no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And then when there are boundaries put in place, they're very rigid. So a child gets a little bit confused about mm-hmm. what am I dealing with right now? Mm-hmm. What, what's going on? I've, I've overstepped a boundary, and I shouldn't have did that. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And I, I want to do better, but I actually don't know what to do. Ah. So consistency helps. Um, having healthy boundaries with your children um, we don't want parentified children. We don't want little ones having to take on our our responsibility. Now, there's a, there's a manner of stress that just easily transmitted, e- even if you don't want it to, you know, maybe some tension or you're quiet, you're not talking, mm-hmm. and the child just talking, 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 you know, so they might not know. But, um, but we do want to manage that space mm-hmm. of the boundaries. Mm-hmm. So the parents will have their boundaries and their, their parent system. And then there'll be some boundaries between the children. But more often, um, they respond to consistency, mm-hmm. um, um, firm rigor, just stay firm. And it's also hard for parents to stay firm sometimes. You're so That's tired. Good. Some days you're just like, whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just, and then everything is kind of going crazy, and it's really hard to maintain, maintain through that space. So, we talk a lot about coping mm-hmm. yeah. and trying to work 
through that those times. So, okay, I'm gonna jump in because yeah. we've talked about this idea of cellular memory. Yeah, for sure. Oh. All right, so you know, you know what mm-hmm. I mean when I say okay, mm-hmm. you know. And I first heard this phrase, Ayanla. She mentioned, you know, she's talking about cellular memory. Black people, the reason why we may do certain things is just sort of innate within us. And I wonder when it comes to discipline, because you talked about cultural, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, it may be a meme on social media or it may be a conversation that we have with each other, but we know, it's largely known, that black people, they discipline different, black mamas and daddies discipline different than white mamas and daddies. And, it's, it, and it comes off more aggressive or, you know, more physical. Um, and I just, I'm just sitting over here wondering, like, cellular memory, discipline, physical, beating, does it coincide in some way? You know, because you think Mm -hmm. about just black people in general for centuries Mm -hmm. physically have taken on a lot of beatings. Emotionally has Mm -hmm. taken on a lot of beatings, right? So is it something in us innately that makes us, I don't know, discipline more aggressively and physically? As, as black people spiraling from racism and slavery. So there, there is some, um, we, we know, and we talk a lot about generational trauma um, and, and kind of what you took and what, what it took to make you. And over, there was a period of time where we looked at that as resilience. We're strong, we came through and we survived. Um, but we, we do have some cultural things that are just, they're just historical and they do all go all the way back to slavery. But our um, parents, grandparents, and just generations uh, before us, they disciplined in certain ways and we learned from what we saw. And we do have muscle memory. We do have um, this, this ep- what we call epigenetic trauma that's passed down. Okay. Toxic stress. Okay. Yeah, epigenetic. epigenetic when epigenetic. it's passed down, right? Okay. So, um, and then we have toxic stress that is that is passed on from generation to generation, okay. and you will continue to do what you saw, you will continue to do what you learned, and sometimes there's no measure of there's no threshold for it, you know, um, and the part that lies in sometimes is the the unconscious and the subconscious is um, if a parent goes to beat a child and they're transmitting all of that energy, muscle memory, and all of that, they're going from their own experience. So, you know, you might hear a parent say, it wasn't as bad as what happened to me. You know, and then what happened to them might be something just right short of death. Well, you can't do that to a six-year-old kid that probably just picked up a piece of candy in a store or something. So it really just depends. There is a there is a generational piece to it, to wow. it unfortunately. So all these years later, mm-hmm. we're still learning, unlearning, unlearning, deconstructing, absolutely, mm-hmm. um, and trying just trying to to find other ways to learn more about ourselves, mm-hmm. um, so that we can um, engage better with each other. And we and I, I see a lot of this growth happening that people are trying to learn more about themselves so they could be better to their children. Um, so we did. We remember we went through the phase of I just want my kid to have more better than I had yeah. to have, mm-hmm. but it, 
Yeah, but it's about how about feeling different, thinking different, um, and 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 observing the world different. Um, Your lens, your worldview, is is different if you look through lens. And and as they get older, we want we just want things to be better. (laughs) So. I read this book called Healing Your Aloneness, mm. and it talks about channeling your inner child. Mm. You talk. It's a beautiful Let's book. Go yes. Go Let's go there. Absolutely. I got book. that on the shelf at the office. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. Uh, when you talked about, like, just getting better as your, at, for self, right? Yeah. I thought about mm-hmm. that as you were speaking. And my question to you is, how can one better discipline themselves in order to not take so much out on their kid or anyone for that matter, for, for the subject, yeah. you know, for the key to their kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there is so much to learn about self, no matter when you arrive there. No matter. No matter when you arrive there. Yeah. So even to the point where now I find that in, in therapeutic sessions with mm-hmm. men and women, um, we're getting to, they are sitting, literally sitting in these big comfortable chairs at my office, mm-hmm. getting uh, being reacquainted with their younger self. Mm. Hurt, harmed, bruised, battered, torn, they're getting, they're identifying with their younger self. Mm-hmm. Parts of them that they can't, you can't get rid of these parts. Um, so, and, and then they've seen it show, they've seen their, their younger self hurt and vulnerable show up mm-hmm. in their adult life. Mm-hmm. Like they were always there. They're like, okay, now I recognize, you know, this part of myself. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you'll walk out caring for that younger part of yourself. And you have to acknowledge it. You don't have to tell everybody about it, but you, you acknowledge that's part of my younger self and you, you get there. Um, but you do have to go through a space where you get to, um, and we just talk about everything, attachment styles. Mm. You know, um, yeah, yeah, attachment <laughs> styles, identifying your emotions, you know, is always fascinating to me to talk to an adult that did not know they had eight primary emotions. They're like, no, I live with my anger, my anxiety, my sadness, and my fear. What else, Dr. Cruz? And I'm saying, how about your joy? When was the last time you used it? And they're like, what? I haven't used my joy in a while. Really? So get, getting in touch with you, understanding your emotions, and having a coping strategy for each one of them. Um, you know, how do you, how do you, um, you, you know, what's your attachment style? An attachment mm-hmm. style is developed in your younger um, developmental years, okay. usually. Um, an attachment style has something to do with just about everything as an adult, how you discipline, mm-hmm. how you attach to intimate partners, mm-hmm. um, how you, you know, how you engage with people, mm-hmm. um, how you feel about yourself, and then identify, you know, just finding out more about that. How do you feel being able to think about your thinking? You can think and then analyze your own thoughts. Humans can do that. And every single thought you have you will potentially you'll have a feeling with it and a behavior, and it goes mm. in that order. Thought, feeling, behavior, always. Mm. If you think about something, you can't unthink it. Mm-hmm. It can go to subconscious, unconscious, but you will have that thought with you. Mm-hmm. 
even if you believe you forgot, if we talk enough, it'll come back. So you you have to know something uh, so much about yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about discipline, um, you talk about that anger, you know, sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. anger um, can come out, you know, and just really sitting and going, you know, what's the anatomy of your anger? There's only four reasons, really. Mm-hmm. So hot emotional pain, get your needs met, okay. affect an outcome that you probably don't control, okay. or get somebody to change their behavior. Dr. Cruz, do y'all take Blue Cross Blue Shield? <laughs> I'm going to call you on Monday. Sis. So we started talking about discipline, but but you have to know, you know. This is so good. So. Okay, okay. Okay, so you, you, this, this, you said something that sparked this question, uh-huh. right? For those who may, quote, unquote, forget a thing, mm-hmm. how can one, like, remember of their childhood and things that they went through as a kid. What's a what's a nice process for that? One, um, so so there is repressed memories. So you you can you you know you'll forget you know and they'll get buried uh, somewhere under trauma. But um, the more um, one way to go about it, um, and we're not going to get all into the neurolingual part of it. But um, if you begin to feel, mm-hmm. and if you you become more acquainted with your emotions, you're able to identify them, and you're actually using a range of emotions, sometimes those emotions will awaken memories and thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Again, some feeling. Yeah, sometimes, because you remember how you felt, yeah. and then you might be able to unpack the rest of it. Um, mm-hmm. But we have process for that. We can sit in, you know, and we'll work through it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's true therapy. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we kind of work through it because we don't know all that is, um, not allowing a person to kind of remember what what happened. So, but there's a way to have, go about it. Have you read uh, "Asking It Is Given"? I read "Asking It Is Given." Yes, I'm thinking it's about open. that as you talk about oh, like yes, feelings, because yes. it talks about the emotional guidance system mm-hmm. and how you can be able to guide what you feel. And I know me personally, I want to be a master communicator, and Ooh. I want to master like emotional intelligence. So one of the current books that I'm reading is uh, by Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart. Heart. Oh, that's a new one. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And it is great. Yeah. I'm in, like, chapter five right now. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, Really current. Um, So so you're there. Mm -hmm. So Brene is um, full up on our shelves over at the office, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Excellent way. Um, She is the, the, the person for shame. Um, and shame and vulnerability and those kinds of things. So um, that's an excellent, um, excellent place to, to go and be as far if you're learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotional intelligence is everything. It's deep. Yeah. Um, but if you, but if you can't, yes, if you can get to the point where you are emotional intelligent, it is a process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and for, for people, for those people like myself, um, even to be able to come into a space with whole space with somebody for that, um, you have to go through some of it yourself. You have to get yourself to the point where you have this emotional intellect mm-hmm. that's just available to you. So yes, I love it. Mm-hmm. So speaking of books, uh, what book or books would you recommend to our cousins out here in the virtual world? Um, I would certainly recommend Brene Brown, that For Atlas sure. of the Heart, um, yeah, just because nice. it's a beautiful, you, it's, it's, it's just a, a, the way it's laid out. It's simplified. Um, it's simplified. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there is um, another book. Well, that might be too deep. Intrusive thoughts. Um, let's start there. Cause I, oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm blanking up right now. On, on what Noted. Noted. I, I yeah. I'm trying to do in 2022 is read a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, so that's one, Alice of the Heart. And then the one she wrote before. Um, uh, I, can't remember. Is it I can't think of it. But check out her TED Talks, too, though. Ooh, she she's great. back on. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's definitely back on. Um, those are good. Uh, the other thing that, um, that would help, that can help, um, not if people just don't want to go straight to all of the emotional, cognitive space type stuff. Um, anything that somebody can pick up that is a, kind of self-help book, what you're trying to do is get, just get these cognitions stimulated. Mm. So I would even say that if you're a reader, um, start with what you like. Um, if you haven't like read that. anything in a while, just start with this um, stimulating this cognition, these mm-hmm. thoughts, um, and imagination and curiosity by doing what you love. The other thing that you do when you read is you have the potential to get quiet. Yes. And you can you know, comprehend what you're reading and understand what you're reading, but you also can give your, yourself, your body, your stress points some rest. Um, and so that, and so that's super. We don't do that a lot of times, you know, when we're living and going about our day-to-day routine, um, which is honestly another reason why, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to read more uh, for that reason, to give myself a break. Because I know 24-7, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm there, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm thinking, I'm feeling. I'm, I want to get lost in something that's outside of my quote-unquote responsibility. But something that I will receive, you know, mm-hmm. in a moment where I can receive and a moment that I can have for myself. And, you know, just maturation and growth. That's really important for us as we get older. Yeah. You know, when we were younger, oh, God, when I was a kid, I read. I mean, like, we would have, like, little reading fairs or throughout the summers, a competition. Mm-hmm. I was smoking everybody. <laughs> but <laughs> since I got into yeah. news and journalism, I'm reading less because it started to feel taxing, you know, like, because I'm reading so much, and I would just want to break. You know, so I find myself in films, more visuals, you know. But reading is something that I want to do more of, so I, I'm glad y'all dropping in. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm sure, sure I, I'm sure our viewers are appreciating. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I like I like the the whole reading. You're in a, a genre. Oh right yeah, now. yeah. Um, I'm that's looking just to master amazing. that. Amazing. Like, oh yeah. Yes. So that even motivates me more. What you're saying that a lot of people don't even know about all of the emotions, like mm-hmm. you know, all the different feelings that ones have because they live with so many for so long that they block out the others. Oh yeah. So, hey man. Yeah. I could talk to you all day, Dr. Cruz. <laughs> yes, I really could. We could. Is there any any final thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. just going back to um, the conversation about discipline and discipline, excuse me, discipline in our families, um, in black culture. Where do you where are we now and where do you want to see us on this? So I believe that um, this the, first of all, this conversation is you all talked about you know, doing bigger and better things. And here we are actually having a live talk about discipline. Um, I, I see this going in a direction um, of, of parents are actually thinking more about this process of discipline. They're talking more about um, communicating 
with their with their children or whoever is you know they're caregiving for and talking about that. So I believe that they're they're wanting to do more communicating. The other part is myself. I'm not alone. Um, I have a lot of colleagues who are out in the field in private practice around here in Mississippi and in other states that are saying that people parents are asking questions. So um, so I, I want to let people know that this is safe. Um, you don't whatever it is you believe you're sitting with and you're sitting alone as you know you you have you can ask somebody a question. Most therapists, if you just call them and ask them a question, they'll be willing to answer. Um, so, so that that's available to you. The other point is, um, it's not just therapists and counselors that are talking about these conversations. As soon as you get in front of a professional, it could be a medical provider, they're talking about depression, they're talking about discipline, they're talking about parenting. Um, so that's the way we're going. And we're not just talking about getting in front of a certain person. We're just talking about access in general. If you have access, ask questions to the person that you're in front of. And then culturally, we're opening up. Um, people are calling up and saying, you know, it's, it's time. I'm yeah. tired of living the way I live. I want to do something different. I want better for my children. Um, this is women and also men, too. So... There, there are, we said in the last segment, that there are men leading households, um, just the men and some of them men and children. Um, so they are using everything that's available to them. And I found that pretty much fascinating that people are using their resources. Um, so, and if your child goes to school, there's a lot of resources available there. Um, there is privacy as well, so make sure that you ask about keeping your information confidential keeping your information private, which we like a lot. So uh, thank you so much yeah. for you, having a conversation. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Bless you. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, every day is a new day to learn how to live. Continue to learn how to live. Continue to learn how to love. Know that you are love. Know that you are enough. We are all learning as we grow, Okay. You just tapped into another episode of the Family Tree Podcast. I'm Kemar Kane coming to y'all to be live, your favorite country cousin, your favorite Mississippian, and your best friend with the beautiful and beautifully talented Ashley FG, man. Again, thank y'all for rocking with us. Until next time. Peace and blessings, love and respect. What's going on, y'all? It's Key Mark Kane coming to you all the way live. Your favorite country cousin, your favorite Mississippi, and your best friend. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Ashley F.G. Norwood. It ain't me without the F.G. Come on. And we are the, the Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Thank y'all for rocking with us. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, The Family Tree Podcast, and on Twitter, The Family Tree. Yes, indeed. Stay rooted. Stay black. Stay blessed. Peace.